1: listening to the beyond terrestrial podcast your one-stop shop for the outstanding the unconventional and the downright strange strap in because the boys are about to take a wild ride i'm funk master b setting up that team for the duo of dumb foolery your hosts dan and lee believe in aliens. I mean, in an
2: infinitely growing universe, why would we be the only living species? Bigfoot, Nessie, all that stuff, it's got to be real. How are we to
3: say that we're the only ones? It's just ignorant. I think aliens are not only from other planets, but they're time travelers.
2: Welcome back to the Beyond Terrestrial Podcast, your one-stop shop for the strange, the macabre, the conspiratorial, and all things super-duper natural. I'm one half of your hosting duo, Dan Martson, As always, recording just down from the crossroads where Robert Johnson made his infamous deal with the devil, and right by my side, the man, the myth, the legend, who has never been lost, in a
3: russian mountain range. Lee, Erick. true story. Lee, true story. Hello world, hello beyonders. We are back. I am coming to you as, well, almost always, the Haunted Barn Studios. Yes, the Haunted Barn Studios has made their return and yes Big Daddy D, Papa D, Quesadillo is uh is here with me, um, and <laughs> yes, it's still uncomfortable. Okay, moving on. Um, <laughs> <laughs> please, <laughs> please don't make case a D. La,
2: that is the worst nickname you've ever come up with.
3: <laughs> I kind of love it. <laughs> no,
2: that's, no, that's so bad. Um, <laughs> Lee,
3: Lee, we've been we've been on hiatus. Yes, we have. I couldn't take it anymore. So, Dan said. <laughs> it, yeah.
2: Said, screw this shit. Yeah. No, um, no. I mean, it was the holidays, you know, like everyone's busy. We have lives, you know. So and we were getting up close to our deadlines and we were just pushing it a little too close. We said, hey, let's take a break. Uh, we've taken midseason breaks before honestly we should have just scheduled it in like from now on there's always going to be a mid-season break like period yeah
3: always anticipate having it right around the end of december um into january i think it just makes the most sense for us that's roughly about the time where we start to like uh how do i put it um We start to, like, push those deadlines to a point where it's uncomfortable for everybody involved. We we
2: start to unravel. We start to unravel. And it's harder to get guests on the show because everyone else is busy. You know, it's just a pain in the ass. Yeah. So Mike is pulling his hair out being like, where's the audio, guys? We're (laughs) like, we haven't recorded it yet. (laughs) I know. Yes, I know. Um, (laughs) Big props to our boys over at Simple Equations Media in sunny Las Vegas, Nevada. They do all of the editing for this show. They are a full-service audio-visual company who can take an idea from pre-production through post-production. They can shoot it. They can record. Um, If you're a garage band trying to make a music video or you have a big audio-video project for work that you need a, a major assist on, the guys at Simple Equations Media have your back. So thanks to those dudes.
3: Yes, thank, thank you. Um, and we promise, you know, Dan said that, you know, you got a video project for your, your work. Um, we promise they're not going to create those, like, standard, like, um, really awkward uh, entry videos with... Yeah, no, they're going to do better for that, I, I think. Broke it again, you're welcome. Oh, yeah,
2: no, it's top notch. <laughs> top notch, wow. You just, you always have to, like... Uh, that was a really good ad read, and then you're like, let's just take off one of those wheels.
3: <laughs> I have <laughs> to. It's part of the
2: job. <laughs> <laughs> let's just do that. All right. Cool. Guys. The one sh- wheel's off already, uh, but Lee, we've got some, some serious shit to talk about today.
3: Yes. Yes. Dan kind of teased it in our opening. Um, we are talking about a mysterious disappearance. Um, this happened in 1959 and this was the Dyatlov Pass incident. Dan do you know now, much Lee, about the I got
2: to tell you this has probably been um our our most requested topic.
3: I I think I can agree and I promise I'm not going to keep up with what they're hoping for it to be, but we're, we're going to try. By most requested, do you mean somebody's <laughs> yeah. requested it? Like one person has brought it up? <laughs> At one per- yeah, one
2: person um, <laughs> has said that they wanted to hear this. So we're going to do it. Because um, that's the kind of guys we are. We respond to feedback. Um, if you're not in the Beyonders group on our Facebook page, go to the Beyond Terrestrial Facebook page. Join the fan group. It's way cooler. That's yes. a, the a place to be.
3: Yes. Lots of memes, lots of fun. A um, couple people interact with people, and things happen. Guys, Dyatlov Pass occurred in 1959, and it was uh, 10 um, students from university. Well, more accurately, 9 students from university, and one kind of almost stranger to the group. Um, all of these people were in the range of 20 to 24 um, except for one person, but we're gonna come back to that one person.
2: Uh, the group was led. Okay, Lee, 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 Lee. Yes, I know you're trying to go through all your all your dirty deets, Lee. Yes, but I gotta I gotta cut you off because I have some funny things that I looked up for this show. Okay, like I did some research, Lee. Thank goodness, because I okay, did not- I want to add no, what so- I want to say. <laughs> okay, check it out, check it out. So all these students went to. Uh, the ural polytechnic institute which has since been renamed a couple times yes um what's it right now it's the ural federal university yeah 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 something like that um it was named for uh former russian president boris yeltsin who is i guess a famous alumnus so props to boris Uh, (laughs) um but i so we've made this joke before when we have other universities featured on the show like what is the mascot of the Ural Polytechnic Institute or the Ural Federal University uh-huh yeah so so i went to go look it up right on their web page okay could not find it nothing they got nothing
3: evidently russians don't like mascots i don't know Okay, make I, I guess that makes some sense. <laughs> In Russia M- makes some sense.
2: How do you have a sports team with no mascot?
3: In Ro- <laughs>
2: In Russia, mascot not, makes sense. Do team. not. No, stop. Stop. No. Stop. I'm gonna cut you off right there. <laughs> but but no it was i was like how do they have a sports team with no mascot evidently not a big deal over there
3: well uh, mike you're gonna have to cut out some silence because i put a starburst in my mouth and um yeah hold on sorry dan very good starburst though
2: why do you insist on eating during the show
3: I don't know. I'm a horrible host. I'm really awful at this, Dan. It is
2: one of the grossest
3: things you can do. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, it, it's not like I spit it all over the mic. Jeez. I'm going to start doing chips next time, so it's just... <laughs> I'm just
2: saying... <laughs> just munching. Oh, my God. Like That's one of those sounds that just <laughs> I cannot get over. Um, <laughs> so shout out to our boys uh, at hysteria 51 who did a whole series of shows where they ate things yeah, <laughs> on the air. Exactly. Gross <laughs> things that people had requested. But still, I mean, uh uh-uh, no, not my not my <laughs> forte, man. I can't do it.
3: Fair. I apologize, dad. I am sorry. So, um so here we that's go. That's okay. Uh these 10 students are 10 people. Um they were essentially taking what would amount to a final exam. Uh, they were, they were level two hiking, skiing instructor teachers. Um, and they were trying to graduate to level three or to grade three. Grade three was the highest at the time, um, for basically hiking and skiing experience. Uh, I guess instructors is the best way to put what they are or what they're trying to become. Um, so, Igor Dyatlov, the leader of the group, had mapped out a a way of how they were going to be going. And that uh, included traveling approximately... Hold on. I got to get it pulled up real quick. I'm sorry. My understanding
2: is the route that Igor picked, and uh, side note, super awesome Russian name, Igor, props. mm mm-hmm. um, like Igor Diatlov is just like the perfect name for a story like this. Um, it, he was familiar with this route; he had hiked it before.
3: Yes, um, and it wasn't a terribly difficult route, but it was high enough uh, in in scale of difficulty to allow them to make the basically pass. So,
2: right, so it's it's the sort of thing that a novice or an out of shape person would not really be able to accomplish. But, uh, an experienced hiker, skier, outdoorsman, um, would be able to do with, uh, the right preparation.
3: Yeah. And especially at their level, like they weren't novices by any means. They were, you know, basically experts. They were just trying to get that expert level, um, rating basically. Uh, and a group of ten of okay. them, no, no less. A group of ten of them that are at that level, this should have been a cakewalk, right? At least right. in my yeah, opinion. I mean, there's always there's
2: always a little bit of strength in numbers, you know. When you yeah. you never want to go out alone, and uh, having more people, you know, if there's any kind of problems, can usually make it a little bit easier to solve them. So, yeah. um, so they get this, so they get this plan together. Yeah. Uh, they get all their gear. Uh, what happens next, Lee?
3: Well, they leave. Uh, they set out on a train from... Uh, I believe it was... Hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm sorry. My notes are all over the place. Anyway, they leave. They set out on a train. They're <laughs> going to where their base... Like, basically, their, their launching point is. Um, and I believe this is roughly the time that they meet that that 10th person. Um. He's also doing the exact same thing. Um, He's training to become a level three. um, And he's doing pretty much the same route. So, uh, and that person was Alexander. um, Or Simeon Alexander (laughs) Zotorovivo.
2: This we shouldn't re- have given you dude, the Russian notes. Re- but this is the dude who's like who's he's like thirty eight,
3: rightly. He's
2: he's way older than
3: the group. Yeah, he's okay. thirty eight. The next oldest person is twenty four. He is way older than okay. these people. Um, so they essentially meet up on the way there. Um, and now the, essentially, they're about ready to leave. So they trek from their
2: university, uh, via train. Yes. To the the trailhead, wherever that is going to be, wherever they're going to start off, yeah. Uh, I'm try- up in the up in the Ural Mountains, yes, of Russia, um, subpolar region. It's not up above the Arctic Circle, but uh, it's out there. Uh, <laughs> there's not a lot of folks around. Um, it is a pretty remote area where they're heading, so. Um, they they set out on this trek. Now, Lee, my understanding is they ran into some problems early
3: on. Yeah. Uh, pretty pretty common issues, but problems so, nonetheless. They arrived here. I got it now. They arrived by train at Id, Idval. It's a town um, in the Ural Mountains. <laughs> um, it's a, in the center north province of Servet. I hate this, Dan. You're killing me. Um, But they leave from there on January 25th of 1959. Uh, And everything's going okay. But they do run into a little trouble fairly early on. About three days in, um, they're beginning their trek towards Gora. uh, And unfortunately, without the map up, it's going to be hard for me to give too much information. They're beginning part of their trek. Um, but on the 28th, very shortly again, one of the members, Yuri Yudin, the only surviving member of this trip, gets hurt. He gets some severe mental or some severe health issues, and he has to turn back due to a knee and joint pain um, that made him unable to continue the hike. Um, the remaining... Yeah, now,
2: my... Uh, I, So, I was wondering about this guy's... Uh, injury um yuri uh he, he was having like a bout of rheumatism or something it was brought on by yeah altitude or yeah so I, he, he i've never heard of these kind of joint heart issues defect. that are brought on by altitude but
3: um um
2: anyway yeah tell us about I, it
3: i mean he had he had rheumatism and a congenital heart defect um ultimately it culminated in him not being able to keep up with the group and i guess deciding that he was going to either get severely hurt or um need to turn back basically right so they make they wear they continue through uh they made it on there were diaries and some uh camera pictures found um through to about January twenty or January thirty first, they arrived at the edge of the highlands um, area and began to prepare for the climb. So now they're almost like they're right up to the to the like where they're going to be hitting the toughest part of the trip. Um. So, okay. at some point, they get caught in a couple snowstorms and they 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 deviate a little bit west. And when they realized their mistake, they decided to set up camp on a slope of the mountain rather than move the 1.5 kilometers or just shy of a mile downhill to a forested area that would have offered some shelter from the weather. Right. The only real information, we've got Yudin's, um speculation, which is great because Uden climbed with them. Uh, the majority of the group had climbed together before. So likelihood what Euden mm-hmm. kind of speculated is probably fairly close to accurate, right? Like it's not like they didn't right. know so each other. So he has a pretty
2: good idea of e- Igor's thought process. Like he'd been exactly. out with him before. Exactly. Um, and yeah, it makes it makes a lot of sense. Like if you're climbing up in the mountains, um, you don't necessarily want to backtrack downhill
3: when you have more to hike up in the morning. You know? Exactly, because that just makes extra work for you. Um, So, yeah. Exactly. If if it's a training uh, thing anyway, a practice thing anyway, why not do it? Um, So Mm -hmm. they make camp. Uh, Dyatlov had agreed to send a telegram um, to their sports club as soon as the group returned to Vizali, uh, essentially where they were meeting up. Uh, This would Uh happen no later than February 12th. Uh, That's what Diotlov and Yudin had agreed on. He expected it to be...
2: But that telegram never
3: showed up. Obviously. The telegram never showed up. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. On February 20th, finally, somebody steps up. Uh, The travelers' relatives demanded some sort of rescue operation. Um, Mm -hmm. And finally, somebody goes out uh this considered, consisted of volunteers, teachers, later the army and militia came out with planes on february 26th, the searchers found the group's abandoned and badly damaged tent on Col- colata Col- colat sokil colat yeah colat um that's what i've heard it called this colat perfect and the ga- the um the campsite just baffled them. Uh, this tent was like half destroyed uh and it appeared like uh they had cut their way out through the back um, there was nine sets of footprints left by the people wearing only socks uh <laughs> or even or maybe just a single shoe or even potentially barefoot. um it appeared like... They had cut and run like it was just crazy. Like it was just pandemonium in the last moments of that tense usability, essentially. Um, Uh And that leaves a lot of people to question because these were relatively experienced hikers. What is going to put a person in a position um, that's got that much experience in a position where they panic out of their minds rip open their only source of um, cover uh, from the elements and run. It's kind of scary. Right. Now,
2: now, Lee, I think uh, a couple important things to point out. Um, they weren't just, like, opening up their tent and running outside into the night on a, you know, warm summer's evening. We're talking January, early February in the mountains of Russia. Um it was, I've I've heard uh, estimates that it could have been negative thirty degrees Fahrenheit. That's cold as shit. Yeah, that's like that's like freeze your body parts to the snow as soon as you step out. Cold. Yes. And people are going out barefoot, uh, in their in their long johns, in their socks, um, mm-hmm. so, so maybe with one shoe on. Like it was a wild thing uh, for them to cut out of their tents and go out into the night like that. Um, so something, something really compelled them from their safety out into the night. And uh, it, it didn't work out very well. Um, no, it didn't. I mean, Not- you, know, you think, you think about the timeline of this too. Um, like the timeline's crazy they the search doesn't even start until they've been gone almost a month, right? uh mm-hmm. two weeks at least two weeks from when they were supposed to be back. yeah, um you know, so th- it's crazy that they and then it took a week for them to even find the camp and then after they found the camp, they found some bodies. But there were some of the bodies they couldn't find till the snow melted. They they had to wait until May to find some of these people. Yes. Um and imagine you know, imagine being part of the family where you're there for days and weeks agonizing over whether or not your loved ones are still alive and then they find some of the group dead but not your brother or sister or son or daughter mm-hmm. and then you got to wait even more months until the snow thaws
3: i mean it's that's just insane yeah and it's it's crazy like it almost seemed like they just didn't care about these kids um and i mean it was 1959
2: and it was russia so mm. yeah um soviets yeah <laughs> or i should say <laughs> da.
3: Da. Da. <laughs> so. Da, comrade. There was evidence of multiple
2: different paths. So. So, by multiple different paths, you mean uh, the group scattered from the tent?
3: Oh, yeah. Yeah, they scattered. Um, a few went one direction. Um, I think it was two of them went one direction specifically uh, in. Um, the direction of the tree line. Uh, then others went uh-huh. a completely different direction, and ended up in a completely different location, kind of at the bottom of a ravine. Uh, and most right. of them died of, or most of them were listed as killed by hypothermia, um, except for a few strange incidences. Um, okay, Lee. Well, I think we should get
2: into. We've, we've kind of told this story now. We all know what happens to these kids. Let's get into the theories after we take a quick break.
3: All right. And we're
2: back. Lee has been telling us about the Dyatlov Pass incident and mangling uh, Russian pronunciation. Oh, so, you <laughs> did not enjoy, ask me to be a lot these more. There's going to be a lot more where that came from. All right, Lee, <laughs> tell us, all right, tell us what could have happened um, to these Diatlov hikers? Uh, nine people who got caught in a snowstorm in a high mountain pass in January in Russia ran out from a tent. Um, Even, it appears, cut their way out of this tent, uh, ran out in their, essentially their underwear, not much else, socks, bare feet in some cases, Um, and uh, most of the group headed for a ravine, and and then then what happens? What happened to everybody? And why do conspiracy theorists latch on to this story?
3: Well, so let's talk about, so six of the group died of hypothermia, which would be the likely scenario in most of those situ in, in the most likely situation they got scared and left their tent and did not go back, right? Sure, Hypothermia sure. makes the most sense. But there were three fatal injuries, and these fatal injuries are kind of strange. Um, So, for example, let me get names real quick. Igor and Yuri, um, Another Yuri, not Yuri Yudin. Um, Yuri Doroskov died of hypothermia. Gregory... Um, yeah, Gregory, Alexander, Zenita, Rustam, all died of hypothermia. Now, here's the weird okay. one. Ludmilla... Dublin, Dubdin, Dubdin, I hate this. <laughs> keep going. Died of internal bleeding from a severe chest trauma. Seymour. Oh. Alexander, the older person in the group, severe chest trauma. Now, that's strange. Um, and then the last one was Nicolia, Nicolia, um... Thurbidesc ox bringonoles. Died of a. (laughs) Keep going. (laughs) Died of a fatal skull injury. I think you did this just to make me pronounce these names.
2: (laughs) Yeah, dude. Um, Okay, so. The. So this skull injury, Lee, uh, we're talking
3: like a fractured skull? Yeah. Yes. Wow, a small skull fracture, um, and that was, or sorry, a major skull m- skull damage. Um, mm. Dubinin and Zoriz- Zoltolov had major chest fractures and chest trauma, um, and this would have been an extremely high impact, um, according to Boris Zorifskin and Denny. There is a Denny in there. I see that. Um, who was one of the chief medical examiners... Yeah, chief medical examiners. (laughs) um, That would have been a... Like, to create those injuries, it would have been a force similar to a car crash. Um, Notably, there were no external wounds associated with these bone fractures, as if they'd been subject to some sort of high level of pressure. Okay. So, Lee,
2: one of the theories is that uh, a group of native people who live near the mountain and consider it sacred territory and would have thought of these hikers as interlopers uh, attacked the group. But what you just said there, there's no external injuries. So so that would be very inconsistent with, like, a fight that two people had. There would be some kind of external damage.
3: Yeah, Um. and even, like... Short of some real big guy picking somebody up in like a bear hug and just crushing them till they die. I can't imagine a way another person could inflict um, those kind of injuries to a person's body. Uh, well, Lee,
2: that, that goes
3: into, that's another one of the conspiracy I know theories. it is. Um, I know it is. I'm just yeah, okay. trying to. <laughs> oh.
2: Well, tell the, tell the people about it. They want to know. They want to know how this happened. Bigfoot. Allegedly.
3: Allegedly, Bigfoot is a possible option. Or the Um, Yeti,
2: or... No, Lee. Lee, an Asian Bigfoot is called a Yeti. Everyone knows this.
3: Fine. The Yeti. Um, It is believed (laughs) that potentially um, a Yeti could have caused those injuries. And honestly, by the uh, definitions of what Yeti seem to have in in strength and and upper body strength i i could see that getting caught in a bear hug from something like that oh man just crushed right right. like yeah just crushed i mean but that's let's be
2: honest that's a pretty looney tunes theory right well i mean there's there's no evidence beyond the crushing injuries that could
3: support that there was a picture that a lot of these people with this theory fall back on. there was a picture from earlier in the, um, in the uh, expedition of a large um, shadowy figure behind a picture of the group, not all of the uh-huh. group but a picture of some of the group members um, in the wood line behind them uh, uh-huh now. Fairly easily debunked when you talked to Yudin, who explained that they were in very good spirits, very jovial, having a ton of fun, taking goofy pictures, um, and joking about things like that. Oh, I see. So, wait a minute. So, what is that? What is that? So, could it have been one of the members just standing along the wood line, pretending to be a Bigfoot or pretending to be some sort of right? That's the most... Once again, Arkham's Razor. Arkham's Razor? Arkham's
2: Razor, Occam's yeah. Arkham's
3: Razor. The most likely scenario is probably the what happened. I love conspiracy right, theories. Right. I love Bigfoot. But we have to fall back on what is the most likely scenario. They were goofing around when they took that picture. Yeah, so,
2: yeah. Sounds sounds probable. So beyond the Yeti explanation and the... Uh, you know the savage tribe explanation which is a very you know colonial western sort of attitude to have um, yeah. which I guess even Russians could have I mean you know I- I'm sure uh, some Russians probably uh, looked down their nose at tribal folks I mean it's not unique to the United States or Europe so um, so what what other theories are there as to what could have happened to these kids
3: um aliens
2: is an option aliens aliens is that so
3: what we got aliens and bigfoot in this story oh yeah aliens is a potential option um it i've been hurt i've heard that one said um okay well well isn't aliens maybe an
2: option for, like, everything. People are like, where did humans come from? They're like, aliens?
3: Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> it's a...
2: a- aliens it's is a, an answer for everything. Okay. Yeah,
3: exactly. Um, I've heard it said, but... Uh, I hate... Man, Dan, I came into this show wanting to be, like, the biggest believer possible, and the more research I do, uh-huh. the more I'm like, eh. Mm. Walks like a duck, talks like a duck. It's probably a duck, right? Uh huh. So, well, um, well, leave. There's one. There's one
2: explanation uh, beyond aliens. Because I know there were. Were there some villagers who said they saw like lights in the sky? Um, mm-hmm. There were some alleged UFO sightings around the time of uh, this tragic incident.
3: Yeah. Um. But. Uh, and unfortunately, if those UFO sightings did occur, there's a fairly good chance that it was um, the Russian military uh, testing uh, different things. There was actually documented evidence of there being a, a military base nearby. I mean, and this was at a time where the Soviets didn't tell
2: people jack or shit.
3: Oh, yeah, absolutely. About what they were no. doing. No, no, no. Um, so... In the general area, were that was there potential for some sort of uh, military experimentation, um, experimenting on different weapons or different flight systems. I believe that that's definitely possible. Um, I don't necessarily think that it would be the entire thing. Um, now there were some, spe- there was some speculation that it was the reason they ripped themselves out of the tent like they did was because they had been exposed to radiation because of a Russian nuclear experiment that was being performed in the area.
2: Oh, indeed. Oh, I love it. Um, so not not only are there Russian test flights over this area, but there's also weapon tests, um, which could be possible explanations for UFO sightings maybe a possible explanation for why the what happened to these kids this is crazy
3: yeah um it's definitely a possible explanation and uh you can honestly see where medical examiners would possibly be coerced into explaining it away in some different ways um or just dismissing it and not actually fully investigating what happened um that being said from what paperwork there is left from that um they did supposedly check for radiation. Uh, the radiation shows that it was not much worse than background radiation. Um, but I have a theory. There's one last potential suspect that I can think of. Dan is. Okay, it, lay it on me. Avalanche. Avalanche. Yeah. And the reason that I say avalanche is a potential explanation is. You're in the mountains. Yup. Avalanches happen. Yup. Pretty easily. Yup. You chose to camp out on a... On a slope. On a slope. And now, for me, for my cognitive connections here, I look at some of those injuries. Skull injury, super easy in in an avalanche. Super. You get caught up in the avalanche... Hit a rock, you're done, right? Hit a rock or a tree or what have you, right? Uh Uh-huh. Now, torso injuries, like the ones to the chest, also, in my opinion, and granted, I'm not a doctor, but it feels like it could be more or potentially more likely than Sasquatch crushing your chest— um, because think of it. What is what is soft but can move at the rate of a semi-truck and hits with the force of a semi-truck but also kind of gives a little? I would think an avalanche. Uh,
2: snow, yeah. I yeah, would think snow would lead. be
3: um, similar to that. So Well,
2: and um, one of the theories that I've heard put out there um, is there wasn't a lot of evidence for an avalanche, but potentially the fear of an avalanche could have sent the kids out of the tent. Um, they could have heard something thought they heard something um, you know maybe seen a small avalanche coming uh, and it it sent them scared down the
3: mountain fair um and and that's another thing that is another huge theory that is toted that i actually forgot to mention um probably the last piece of this would be infrasound is also believed to be an issue um or a potential culprit uh which could heighten the fear of an avalanche um create that panic scenario uh for the listeners uh infrasound is essentially uh a sound decibel that is low enough to where we don't actually perceive it audioly, audioly, yeah, sure, with actual hearing, <laughs> but it's actually perceived um by the body in a couple different ways, and mainly in producing an air of uncomfortableness bordering on fear and panic. Uh and I think Dan was the one that told me about this was that it it actually shakes the liquid in your eyes um which I uh, would scare the shit out of me Dan I'm just going to say yeah like, well and, <laughs> and 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 the thing is
2: the infrasound still hits your eardrum um it's just that your your senses can't interpret it so your eardrum does have a lot to do With, like, your balance and, uh, you know, flight-or-flight responses, all kinds of stuff like that. So, it's really interesting how infrasound can affect the body without you ever actually hearing it.
3: Yeah. Um, And it it really does. It can't—and there's scientific evidence that infrasound can create a panic scenario. Is there any evidence that infrasound is um, present in the Ural Mountains— uh, not that I found, um, now granted I put a solid 25 minutes of, uh, of research into this, so I could be wrong, um, but
2: <laughs> Dan's um, like, I fucking hate you right now, Lee. Like, <laughs> well, well, so no Lee, now there is, there is another theory that I want to talk about that you haven't gone over, but is one that I thought was very interesting. All right. Um, oh. what, is another th- what is another thing that can hit somebody extremely hard enough to throw them through the air, that can uh, wreck a camp site um, are we talking in movies or in real life, in real life that could potentially cause an avalanche, um, and that does create infrasound. Wind. Okay. So, what happens um, in some mountain ranges, um, and can particularly happen in uh, this section of the Urals, uh, this uh, this mountain... What was it again, uh, Lee? Kala something? Oh, I hate you. Kala... Kalat Sikal. Yeah, it, it essentially... I'm I'm my understanding is kalat means dome, right? Um so the when wind hits a mountain it has to kind of split to go around it, right? Okay. And this can create this can create vortices when the where the wind comes and meets up and all kinds of stuff like that. Um so these vortices, which are you know, dust devils or tornado—little tornadoes. Are, are
3: you telling me that they got picked up by a tornado, and instead of being taken to um, the land of Oz? Well, well it's not really—it's
2: would... not really a tornado. It's an extremely powerful dust devil. Uh, oh, essentially, sorry. That can happen at—it can happen at altitude. It can happen around, um, like skyscrapers too, can create these vortices. Um that's why modern skyscrapers like the Burj Khalifa um and some of these taller ones that they're building in China and the US now um sometimes we'll have a we'll have a twist to help the wind move around the building.
3: Okay. Yeah.
2: Did you so just say the Wiz Khalifa? with the rotation The Burj Khalifa.
3: Oh, that makes it's the sense. tallest building in the world. I I know, it's but in I in thought Dubai. you said the Wiz Khalifa and I was like, "No, that's a rapper." <laughs> no.
2: No, no, no. Um, like, they're created with this rotation in mind, and there's a ro- rotation put to the building to help move the wind around them. So potentially, I mean, what, what if it was a, a crazy windstorm hit makes them feel like there might be a avalanche coming, and they exit the, exit the camp? It wrecks their camp. Uh, Maybe injure some of the group Maybe not Um, And the next thing you know They're out in the cold Trying to survive They built a fire which wasn't going to help them in their underwear Um, Some of them try to return to camp Slowly they succumb to the effects of hypothermia Which includes paradoxical undressing Where people start taking off their clothes uh because they feel hot or whatever. Um and it and they, they just all
3: succumb to the elements. It's possible. Um, I also have another theory. Shoot. My favorite theory of all, and I'm serious, this is my favorite theory of all. So Alexander being much older than the other other nine, um, Also, not being really known to them until they're on the way there. Just kind of like latches on at the last minute, right? Uh Uh-huh. Spy. Oh. For like the KGB? For the KGB or maybe even for another foreign body in an attempt to get a view of the um, military experimentation that's happening up there.
2: Oh, and so and so this this fits in with the Army killed everybody theory uh-huh. um the Russians find out about him um they kill the whole group and they stage the scene so that it looks like they've frozen to death,
3: yeah um or everything falls apart um just in the group, and he uh has to i I don't know do something like that um that being said
2: i i do like this theory where like the red army is responsible for it all or the kgb yeah um like it's very cloak and dagger i I love it and it's the
3: cold war so it fits Mm -hmm. now here's where the the thoughts fall apart no evidence of any sort of fighting all right so let's be real most likely not the alexander kid or not the alexander guy. Um, because if it was him like killing them, um, there would have been some evidence of like a fight, um, and he probably would have been beaten by the eight other people that are there. Right? Like
2: it's not. Yeah. Well, you would expect twenty somethings would fight back, right? Exactly. Um, right. These are all kids. They wouldn't just. They wouldn't just sit there at gunpoint and freeze to death. That
3: sounds like a really. I'd I'd much rather be shot. Yeah. I would rather, uh, yeah, I would rather be shot than um, freeze to death, but uh, let's say the government does find out about it um, and they send agents out to, um, to basically stop them. Uh, When you've got military weapons pointed at you, even at a young age, you're not going to fight back, especially if it's your own government, right? Um, Or in most cases. Oh yeah, good point. Maybe they didn't expect that.
2: Mm. Yeah.
3: Um the government shows up, uh several agents come out with uh with their weapons drawn, um force them th- maybe they try to escape out the back of the tent, force them out of the tent, um march them in different directions or something, um and let them die to the elements because they can do that because they have the power to, right? Mm. Um
2: seems like a whole lot to go through on a negative 30 degree night. <laughs> exactly. Exactly.
3: Let's go with let's go with uh, another possible theory and probably in my opinion the most likely of them. I believe that it wasn't avalanche that caused the injuries um to the three people that were injured. They were part of the group that went in a different direction um than the other portion of the group. Now In my thought process is, maybe there was an avalanche. Maybe one part of the group chose to go the direction that got them away from the avalanche's um, pull or where the avalanche was going. And another part of the group chose to go in a different direction um, that ended up putting them right in the path of the avalanche. Um, Because we're forgetting that avalanches have paths. They have directions and right. they're usually going to travel similar to what a river is going to travel. They're going to travel the path of least resistance. Um, well, I believe Diotloff was one of the survivors. Um, and he was not part of the group that was found or not one of the survivors, but one of the ones that died of hypothermia and he was not part of the yeah. group that was found um, in the gully. Uh, but let's think about it in a gully or in a, in wherever they were, is it possible that they went down there and then they got caught in an avalanche either at the same time or a separate event um, shortly after? It's definitely possible.
2: Well, I've heard that they they theorized they went towards this ridge or ravine or whatever uh, for avalanche protection. So it's uh, completely possible. Um, yeah, I think you're right, Lee. The most likely thing is there was some kind of uh, natural event whether it was wind or avalanche or whatever, something that was probably fairly small but still significant, um, that essentially scared them into believing there would be a greater avalanche, and they needed to leave. Uh, they go outside the tent into the night, into the cold. Um, the mountains were notorious for storms. If you go out into a whiteout conditions, I mean, there's. There's a very good chance you won't make it back. Uh huh. I mean, even if you were fully prepared, um, if you had all your clothes, all your gear, everything, if you go into a nighttime whiteout in the mountains, um, you're gonna have it rough. So, um, and then once the hypothermia sets in, uh, your brain doesn't work right, and you—it's just not gonna make the decisions that will get you anywhere safely
3: yeah um and i think that that was ultimately the downfall of the group um i do i honestly believe that that is the most likely scenario of the injuries that occurred the ones that did not die of hypothermia most likely occurred in an avalanche scenario i don't think it occurred at the tent site i think they got driven out by maybe the sounds of an avalanche and um maybe they got driven out into the night and then at that point because I'm still trying to think of what would drive them to cut their way out of the tent and my only guess would be thinking that they're not getting out of the tent fast enough right Um, some of them are going out the front but there's not enough room for everybody to go out the front at once right so um, (laughs) yeah Yeah, wow. Um,
2: Wild and crazy story. Now, Lee, I think we've got just a little bit more about how this connects to some other stories we've done. But we should probably take a really quick break, and we'll come back to wrap this up. All right. And we're back. Now, Lee... We've gone over the Dyatlov Pass incident. We've gone over our theories. Um, We just did a show about Missing 411, and I went back and watched that Missing 411 Hunters. The Hunters one is way better. Go watch the Hunters one.
3: Okay, Um, I will.
2: But, yeah, that was during Documentary December. Yes. Um, this, This is one of the events that is frequently cited in relation to like missing 411 type cases um because it is strange but all the bodies were found and it is explainable um and it covers a lot of the supposed missing 411 criteria like people undressing and stuff like that well or being found near water sources. I mean, oh, there's all kinds of weird things in his, in Polite's criteria that, you know, could be applied to this case.
3: Yeah, I mean, and you're right. There are a lot of things that could be applied to this case. Uh, but I think the fundamental issue is they weren't found in, like, really strange places. They were found relatively close to where they were supposed to be. Um now, some of the details on the escape, on the on the way they died is a little bit strange. But I don't think it's outside the realm of natural possibilities. Um, the things right. that really get me, the the really strange ones for me, aren't the ones that I can look at and be like, oh, there's at least some sort of natural explanation. Because once again, we're looking at a situation where we are focusing on... The strange parts of the case that um we can't explain and not allowing the rest of the evidence to indicate the situation right um it's another occam's razor kind of scenario why are we why are why are so many people so hung up on the fact that it's not it can't be what it looks like it has to be something else um
2: yeah, that's a very good point, Lee. Um, I mean, it if if you don't think about it very hard, it's so obvious that these people just simply died of exposure. Um, they they left their tent out of fear of for some natural event, um, whatever it was, and and it led to their deaths. Um, but if it's almost one of those things where you have too much information, and like if you take a a really thin slice, um, and just look at a little bit of it. You go, well, obviously, that this is my best conclusion. But if you get all the information and you really focus in on some of the details that don't quite mesh, now you can create new narratives, um,
3: and that leads to all kinds of stuff. But the problem is, is these these narratives are disregarding so many other so many other pieces of evidence. The, the vast bulk of the evidence, right? And that's the <laughs> issue. That's the issue. The new narrative has to encompass all of the evidence in order for it yeah. to make sense, right? If you If you take one piece of evidence, okay, they cut their way out of the tent. Obviously, they were scared of something. Okay, well, obviously, they were scared of something. Was it a Bigfoot standing at the door? Was it a Russian with an AK-47 standing at the door? Or was it the sound of an avalanche Semi in the distance Maybe coupled with some infrasound Or some already uncomfortable um, Feelings for whatever Reason one way or another The most Likely scenario is something like that Right like Or high winds or something Just something that put them in a position Where they did not feel the the, uh, Tent was safe anymore and they Panicked Right yeah I think I think between
2: the stormy weather, the mountain setting, I mean, that is just I mean, that's all you need to know. If there's a storm on a mountain, uh, there's snow. I mean that that's the most important part of the story, right? Right. Um Um
3: the ones that I like and, and, with but the missing
2: Go ahead. I was gonna go off on a tangent. So finish up what you were gonna say about the missing four one one. The
3: one that I the things that I like about the missing four one one cases are when you look at like like a child traveling way farther than you would ever expect. Right. Or, um, or somehow like the bones or, or the, the, the bones or, or the, uh, the body being found at a later date in a position that would be, would ha- you, they would have to be a mountain climber to get to. Um, those are the kind of scenarios where I'm like, that is crazy. Right, the ones where I'm like, ah, no, there's probably a there's probably a reasonable explanation for that. They're not as cool to me. They're not missing 411. I want the ones that yeah. actually don't have a reasonable explanation.
2: Well, and this this is one of those cases again, like I was saying, where the little details have led to uh, bigger stories. I mean, um, the military story, like the that the military came and killed everyone, is supported by. Um, yuri um the survivor the one who left three days into the trip uh-huh. um he he had to identify uh all the gear like what belonged to who uh-huh. um and there were a few items that he was not able to identify and they say aha these must have been left behind by the death squad that killed these guys um and they thought that one piece of of fabric material looked like a military, from a military uniform. I'm like, well, is that the most likely explanation, or that he just couldn't identify everything that everybody brought with them on the damn trip?
3: Let Let's remember, one of these people he did not know before the start of the trip.
2: Right. Yes. Very good point. Like, what's in his bag? No. Right. <laughs> like... Right. Uh, So, yeah, I mean, it's just... It's those kinds of details that support the crazier parts of this tale. Um, And that's... That's the thing about conspiracies, is they thrive on these details, Lee. They love that sort of thing. Never mind the, the evidence. Never mind what everybody else is telling you. If there is one little detail that you can pick out... One piece of information that you think that you have that other people don't, um, I don't know, it gives people this weird feeling of intellectual superiority. Like, um, you know, in Q conspiracies, they would say the color of the president's tie that he wore during a speech was like a message to Q believers like that kind of dumb shit like focusing in on the most minute things like his the misspellings of his tweets were messages like come on the more likely
3: explanation is he's an idiot
2: (laughs) the more likely explanation is he just misspelled the word like i mean come on like that's that's it i mean i mean look and now he doesn't have a Twitter anymore, so... Sorry. I mean... Sorry. What are you going to do? But, <laughs> sorry. But, like, I yeah, no, we, uh, we don't want to get too into it. I know, because, I'm sorry, my bad. But, but you get what I mean. Like, it's those weird little details that conspiracies thrive on. Um, and this story, because it involves so many different people um, who were, I mean, yes, in a small area, but had um you know yeah stuff like you know one of them has one shoe on oh what's that mean you know one of them's in socks one of them's barefoot you know one of them has someone else's clothes on what's that mean um so like all of these details people try and read into it and glean some kind of extra meaning when the explanation could be so much simpler
3: absolutely absolutely um but in any case i mean it is a strange story it's a cool story i really love the government um storyline it's got so much feel to it right um and then the and then the the a-bomb experiments storyline even better right (laughs) like
2: (laughs) yeah i think um i think this government storyline could make a good like um horror movie like a slasher type horror movie or uh you know like a last like a last girl type thing you know group of kids go out in the woods um next thing you know boom like government agents show up they start killing people right uh you know and then the final girl survives you know bloodied walking out of the woods uh, except for like the last scene of the movie you know boom she gets surprise killed or something like that that i mean that's a great that's a great storyline that's something you'd pay money to go see in a theater
3: yeah yeah and that's the problem so many people want the want the world to work like the theater right like movies (laughs) right yeah it doesn't i mean man i wish it did yeah but it doesn't yeah the man who killed hitler and then bigfoot did not exist (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> not not an actual dude. Um <laughs> but goddammit, Sam Elliott isn't one of the coolest guys ever. Um, dude, I don't I don't even care.
3: That movie yeah, was trash, so. but it wasn't Sam Elliott's fault.
2: <laughs> yep. No. No. A, a national treasure that man. Um well guys, we have we have brought you back down to reality, haven't we? Uh life doesn't work like the movies. Uh you grow up get a job work your ass off and then you die <laughs> get a
3: job you hippie
2: <laughs> so uh we brought you down but we were way up in the outlaw pass uh talking all about the crazy theories um lee
3: is there is there anything else you got for us before we sign off? i got absolutely nothing guys guys, please check out our Facebook page. I got absolutely nothing, but now I'm going to tell you about stuff because that's what I do. Um, uh, guys, check out our Facebook page. As Dan said earlier in the episode, check out our Facebook discussion group. Uh, check out our website, beyondterrestrial.com. It hasn't been updated in months, but check it out anyway. It's kind of cool. Uh, yeah, go there. Do that. Do
2: the thing. Um, and guys, uh, keep... Despite us, uh, you know, harshing your vibe here, keep looking out for more tales from out there, Beyond Terrestrial.
1: Thank you for listening to Beyond Terrestrial, all three of y'all. If you're still a fan of this show, follow Beyond Terrestrial on social media and join the Beyonders Facebook group for even more strangeness. Links to everything, including previous episodes, are available at BeyondTerrestrial.com. That's the place to go for stickers, merch, show swag, and our Patreon. Patrons get exclusive access to ad-free shows, giveaways, and the unedited after-show show. Anything you give to the show goes straight to Folkmaster B's Bachelor Pad, which for now is also where these giant turkeys record this show. This show was edited by Simple Equations Media with music by Mike Root. Dan and Lee will be back next Tuesday with more from Beyond Terrestrial.